<laughs> I'm with Roman, just Roman. That's I don't know if you know Roman, but she, he can't see you. Yeah, I can't. I can't see her. But he did wave. I think she just said, "I can see him, but he can't see me," and I love it, um, <laughs> which is the most Roman thing I've ever heard her say. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. That's awesome. Everybody, welcome to uh, Batman in Quarantine, episode forty-one, where Roman and Jeff are just trucking right along, reading Batman and Robin number twelve. Hey, Roman, <laughs> I just called you Roman. <laughs> I, I like Roman, especially chicken ramen. That's my favorite. Oh wow! Oh yeah. wow! Yeah. I like it. It's a teriyaki ramen. Oh my god! Oh, now I want too. ramen so bad today. Oh, yeah, it's a good ramen day. It's a good ramen day. <laughs> but you'd have to leave the house and venture out into the smoky, smoky air, which probably means nothing to anyone listening to this that doesn't live in Bellingham, but we're dealing with some very smoky yeah. air. Or or on the West Coast in general, but yeah, we're, yeah, we're almost in the haz- <clears throat> hazardous numbers. We are, um, we are tucked away in a weird time, but it is, even to add to that weirdness, a very weird hour of the day. We're recording this in the afternoon, because we're a little bit uh, behind schedule, according to Jeff. So we're, uh, we're, we're piling some podcasts in here, and it's very, very good. So, Roman, I was at the comic shop today, and I was not expecting it, but then out of nowhere, I saw your beautiful face come through the front door. It's always so good to be at the comic shop together. It is. That was, that was fun. I, um, I, I was confused when I drove downtown because all these streets and lanes and parking areas are closed for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so then going in there and seeing that you were already there. That was cool. Yes. And so for anyone, I mentioned this on the write-up to the episode that came up before this on Monday, but I, I mentioned that this is me and you being on the podcast is a little bit like the good old days. So for anyone who doesn't know, Roman originally hired me at the comic shop years and years and years ago. And for a long time there, I guess that was two comics place buildings ago, but for a long time there, it was just Roman and I sort of hunkered down in a small art space uh, on the second floor of a building. And um, the store was probably, what do you think? Like an eighth of the size? Yeah, probably. Cause it was kind of a, a weird squat L shape. Yeah. Yeah. God, when, was that like 2013? Probably. <laughs> Probably about 2013. I can't remember time anymore. It's made even worse yeah. by this quarantine where I don't even ever know what day it is. But it's a cool, I'm glad to have these episodes. I love getting to spend one-on-one episodes with anybody who's on, but it's always fun with you since we have such a rich history of sitting in a room doing nothing together. I always mention this <laughs> story, but when I started at the comics place, I had come off of working at like Barnes and Noble and I was, you know, had some illusions about the place being needed to be hyper, hyper professional and so I was like always trying to keep relentlessly busy. And like my second or third week, Roman was like, you've never seen Star Trek II Wrath of Khan? And uh, one day, because no one was coming in, we just sat at a computer together and watched all of Star Trek Wrath of Khan. And I w- that was the moment where I was like, this isn't like other jobs. <laughs> well, it's very important. That's part, that's part of our, our, our niche, our oeuvre. I have to 
have to know the uh, know the classics. Absolutely. And on the topic of classics, Batman and Robin number twelve by Grant Morrison and Andy Clark. This is the final issue of the fourth. Well, it's also, yeah, the final sort of straight-up Andy Clark issue, but it's the final issue of the fourth three-issue arc of Batman and Robin. We were just talking about Return of Bruce Wayne number two, the Puritan Times uh, issue, and now we are back here in modern day with Dick and Damien in a graveyard with Oberon Sexton, who we, by the end of this issue, will know who they are, although Dr. Corey Wa- Cody Walker... Oh, God, have I been calling him Cory Walker? Um, Dr. Cody so. Walker... <laughs> Is a little, uh, he insults the reader a little bit by saying how obvious it was. And I remember at the time not thinking it was super, super obvious. But yeah, and I was thinking yeah. about, about that too as we've been rereading this and these. And even on a second read, I, I don't think it's obvious at all. Even by, the end, even by the end of this issue, I'm still, I was still like questioning Dick's reasoning because I'm still like, I don't really see that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, Morrison logic is beautiful. And if he says that something makes sense, I'll just say I don't quite get it yet. Uh, we start out in the, in the graveyard with Oberyn, Dick, and Damien. And Damien is attacking Dick because we find out he's being physically controlled by Deathstroke in a far-off room with Talia al Ghul because of the spine that had been replaced in his body. And Batman deals with that pretty quickly by getting those sweet, sweet electro knuckles out again and just shocking him because he knows Deathstroke's got like hyper senses or something. I'm not super well-versed on Deathstroke. Yeah, and I'd actually forgotten about that, but yeah, that sounds right that he has hypersensitives. He's hypersensitive, so when dick electro shocks punches damien in the chest deathstroke feels it hypersensitive not like me physically <laughs> hypersensitive i'm just emotionally hypersensitive <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he uh yeah he, he shocks him pretty good there and when that is all finished up Oberon sexton's like hey you should come back to my hotel room and he's like not yet i got stuff i gotta do and they you know they shut down the link between deathstroke we see a little bit of a shot of dick bats fighting an enormous bat and then we don't get a lot of closure on that which that apparently was i mean i took that that apparently was what he faced down in the um down in the caverns underneath the graveyard because the previous issue just pops out and his costumes all ripped up and we don't know why yeah apparently he fought barbatos maybe maybe maybe. uh and then we uh we say, oh, it's time to go visit. Oh, yeah, we learned a cool thing about Wayne Manor. We'll get into that. We go to visit yeah. Talia al Ghul. We have a pretty compelling scene between Damien and Talia. I liked a lot. And yep. then we finish it all up. We get a little shot of Dr. Hurt coming back to Gotham, some cave work. And then we finish it all up with Dick in Oberon Sexton's hotel room with the reveal at the end of that. Now let's just pedal it back a little bit. Yeah. Um, so this is our final Andy Clark issue, which uh, is kind of a bummer because we've grown to be pretty fond of him. One thing I do love is that uh, they kept the coloring for the sky, that like sort of patchwork art style that uh, Django had pointed out what it was actually called earlier on, but just that sort of like the chunky color gradients instead of having a smooth one. And that's really on showcase here in the graveyard as they're fighting with like the sky colors. Yeah, and I can't remember what Django called that, but he had the uh, the technical word for it, which is always cool. Um, I don't, I just, I got, I just, can you do something to make me feel better about the flapping up batch signal on his chest. Someone is going to I was going to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring that up because unfortunately, you know, we were hoping for 
a line of dialogue from Dick or something about, about, oh, good thing I got this special insignia that blah, 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 blah. Right. But no, there's never any explanation for that. You know, I mean, did Bruce live, leave Dick like a cheap knockoff bat suit or what? We don't know. Yeah. It, or just like the most poorly ill thought out weapon, like secret <laughs> weapon. Like I'll have the wings flap out and then aggressively hug people to stab them in the chest or something. Like it, there's a... Yeah. And it just... It, and I try not to. I try to push this out of my head, but it, every time I see it, I think of what was it, Superman two, when the scene when he rips his insignia off and throws it at the bad guys and it wraps around them. <laughs> yeah, they did some very provocative stuff with cloth in those movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do think it was cool to get another scene of the electroshock knuckles, which we got uh, on the forefront in our Batman and Robin in Europe adventure in them. Um, mm in the blackest night arc yeah but i think that's yeah. such a cool tool he's just cool tools he's just got these like <laughs> you know ability to give a heart heart bump to anybody alfred is up flying around in the bat thing because uh there's all these criminals out in the graveyard uh all the 99 fiends are out there i love that he says sir the grounds are overrun permission to use the water cannon I'm just like, Alfred, you use whatever you, like, you do what you gotta do, buddy. Like, I'm, I'm down here. I think Alfred's earned the ability to not have to ask if he's using the water cannons at this point. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think Alfred can, you know, you can trust Alfred to just handle things on his own. He's got good judgment. Pull the trigger, so <laughs> yeah, to speak. Yeah, I really love that, that Dick so quickly figured out that, that how this link up thing is working and how Damien's being controlled and that the nervous systems are linked. I, re I really liked that. Yeah, I did too. And in fact, reading this originally as it was coming out and it just felt like an eternity between these issues, uh, it didn't feel like he was disposed of quite so quickly. Um, but he really, you know, he makes very quick work. Like it's, we get like eight pages tops, you know, of, of, of this <laughs> battle before the big villain of the arc is, dis you know, dispelled. Which is yeah. just, I mean, it does speak to his ability to fight and be a detective and everything, but it's also like, it was, it was pretty quick pacing. I don't want to say the words anticlimactic because it finds a climax later on, but uh, it was a pretty quick, um, let's just say the technology Talia was packing wasn't exactly the most impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a, I am, yeah, I'm really glad they did that later in the issue too, where there's a, there's a climax of that with dick and destro because you know they're all they're old foes from the teen titans days and they they really don't like each other so i'm glad there was more of that we get the badass fiend with like the red mohawk and like greasy little chunks and they get they get the like i can't physically quite make out exactly it seems like a small box with the bat insignia on it that we had seen in the uh photograph of i think it was alan wayne one of the wayne or joshua wayne actually i believe yeah. And that's what Dick had gotten in the caves down there. But the fiends get it, and they exclaim Barbados as they're holding it. I'm not exactly sh sure exactly how they're able to discern Barbados's relationship with this box at this point, other than the fact that they probably know what it is. But, man, that mystery is just building. What is going on inside of that box? Yeah, and there, yeah, there was something in the couple previous issues before this building up to that box or journal or whatever the heck it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's not, it still hasn't been really explained. Um, but that's, but yeah, that's the thing they were looking for. And then they all, once Alfie unleashes the water cannon, they, they all start retreating. You got to hide when Alfie's got that H2O gun, right? You know, he was a real dangerous foe in the summertime backyard water gun fights. Oh, back yeah. In the day. Well, yeah. Can you imagine getting 
hit with a water cannon blast into knocked into one of these one of these mausoleum or, or headstones that would really hurt yeah alfred squirts man he gets it he'll he'll get it on you so that that whole sort of first quarter of the issue is a pretty straightforward just fight scene not a huge amount to gleam from that outside of the strange invitation from Oberon Sexton to get them back to his hotel room. But the next page is where we get uh, a, a more interesting scene, I think. And it's them hanging out in the bat bunker, talking to Alfred, decompressing about this thing. And we get, that's where we get the first mention of from Dick talking about what he had seen in the caves beneath. And yeah, he, I like that he admits to not knowing if it was like a hallucination, you know, like he's like, I saw a giant bat. I fought a giant bat, but um, you know, in the intervening pages, they say like, well, it could have been a hallucination. I had run into this more human-like bat statue. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what is, what is your read on what that thing is? I don't know. I mean, I, initially I took it as pretty literally that, yeah, he fought a giant, a giant bat spirit or something. I didn't take it as a hallucination, but yeah, it could have been. Because yeah. he does sustain physical damage. Like his yeah, suit is thrashed up. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's got three broken ribs, which it didn't look like that happened during the fight above ground because they took out those guys pretty easily. <laughs> this bat is pretty big in the same way that he was wearing that pretty big bat skin in Return of Bruce Wayne number one. Yeah. So, yeah, I wonder exactly what this is. Is this Barbados? We do, you know, there are, is a giant bat spirit we know of. So is it physical, literal, metaphorical? hallucination these are i guess sort of the the waters that you're used to swimming in when you're reading a grant morrison comic yeah and since it is morrison I, it was somebody else writing i would think otherwise but since it's morrison i tend to think well you know it's all of the above right and and it can be with him you know like it, nothing yeah. is one thing yeah i mean you could you could explain oh yeah there was some kind of lichen in like psychotropic like lichen in the cave that caused dick to imagine he was fighting this bat spirit but there actually really was a bat spirit plus there was a physical manifestation of barbados and, <laughs> and you know speaking of hallucinatory psychedelic lichen you know on those early days of the comic shops where you and i were watching star <laughs> trek you know it wasn't more than a couple weeks at where we would just close the shop take some mushrooms and hang out under trees and just say over and over again everything is one thing and everything is one thing. And that's what early shifts at the comic space will do. No, we didn't trip out at the shop. Although, we're, all in the co- we're all in the cosmic cosmic book of Morrison, Jeff. Oh, man. That's an issue of a Morrison story somewhere. <laughs> I think I love Damien's just statement of, I feel sick. I can't believe what she did to me. Uh, I have to return to my mother immediately. Before that page, you're like, damn, Talia's like, you know, possessing the son, using him as a weapon. But the deeper implications of that of just like a child having their mother disregard their personality their feelings like just be totally used he's already been in this weird emotional space with his mom but that is gotta be like really horrible to feel like that dehumanized um, by your mom and i don't think i really grasped I mean, and I think for anyone who's out there saying, like, Damien's a total shit, I hate him, I can't stand him, I do think that there's just a lot of, like, bits in, you know, even just the 12 issues we just read that really justify him being a shithead, you know? Like, it's it's not unwarranted. It's not easy writing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, geez. The way the kid was raised and then 
he's just he finds his is introduced to his dad and then left with his dad and then apparently his dad is killed and now he finds out his mom has like can remotely control him <laughs> so from, it makes sense that he would bond with dick as much yeah. as he has yeah this poor kid i mean i mean considering all that it's really surprising that he's as functioning as he is you know mentors man they they mean the world to us. It's in a very, very, very important role that we can all provide uh, for people. Hey, everybody, go yeah. out there. Find, find a way to be a mentor to somebody. The really thing that I loved is that earlier on in the run, there's a, a kind of overhead shot of Wayne Manor, and it, you do notice that it is laid out in a W form. I'm not sure if that has historically been that way or for the coincidental reasons like Morrison made that a part of it. I guess Wayne Manor, much like Arkham, or sorry, Gotham itself, kind of fluctuates and how it's represented in different stories mm, yeah but the super fun idea of just like well i was thinking about the different ancestors of the waynes and if you expend you know ex you extend pathways out from certain rooms as a, a walkway to get to different parts of the garden or the estate or you know like over the different caves if you draw points on all of them it becomes a bat <laughs> and i just love this my god it's a bat signal <laughs> I love that too. It was great. And I love the fact that Alfred's the one that figured this out. Mm -hmm. He's the one that found it. <laughs> and I, you know, I think the easy response would be like, how did they not ever know that before? But then again, we're working with this model where we're feeling like reality is kind of yeah. shifting before us. Like it, it didn't ever exist before, but now it has always existed. But you know, it's, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. Cause Alfred, He's talking about the, the former lichway to Alan Wayne's crypt, and I don't think they knew about that lichway. Okay, I before. wanted to know what a lichway was. I meant to look that up, and I'm, I'm not sure. I was trying to remember, because isn't a lich... A witch? I think I, I learned the term lich from D&D &D back in yeah. the 80s. Isn't a lich like a, some kind of like underground, gross, ghouly type, ghoulish type thing? Hmm. Maybe, maybe kind of related to slugs or parasites? And I typed the word in, and I'm getting a lot of resorts, results for funeral directors and funeral homes. The Lichway is a track lying to the southwest of Devil's Tor on Dartmoor, Corp, wow. Corpse Road. I think like yeah. Lich is like a dead thing. So it has to, yeah, it has to do with, with that. That's why I was thinking ghouls, because ghouls are dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, huh. So it's an English thing originally. As so much of this tends to be when you're dealing with Grant Morrison. So yeah, then they decide to get out of there and go find Talia. Yeah, they got a they uh, Damien when he had gone before Alfred had placed a bat tracker in her secret HQ. Oh, yes. Why is it that they need to like? Is he just going to like give her a talking to, or did they tie some of this bat mystery stuff into um, Talia? I think that uh, I got the impression Damien just wants to go confront her about this, and Dick isn't going to let him go go by himself. Buddy life. Plus, plus I don't. Plus I think maybe. He doesn't say it or think it, but I think Dick wants to get in some words with Deathstroke because he figured out. Does he figure out that it's Deathstroke the controlling Dick? Yeah. 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 Um, he yells like Slade at one oh, point. Uh, right. Damien does. And I was right, wondering okay. if that was like a miss bubble. Is that Slade saying Slade? Or is it Damien knowing it's Slade and yelling Slade? Or was it a bubble that should have been drawn going to Dick and he was yelling Slade because that's when he realized who it was? That's in the, the fight yeah. scene. Yeah, and I don't know, because I don't know if, you know, Damien, had Damien ever met Slade before this point? We don't know. I was, I was, I guess I was assuming that, oh, well, I guess since their nervous systems are linked, Damien 
knows who this is. I though that though that's kind of a stretch, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm always so moved by just like unrelenting support that people show one another, uh, just because they love someone. And I love there's this buddy life scene of Dick and Damien walking into Talia's lair. You know, they go to the tech room, and just Dick is like everybody out, and they're like, no, this equipment's delicate, and he just like fuck off and punches it with those electric <laughs> knuckles and he's just like i'm big brother in the fuck out of this uh this this interaction right now you did damien dirty and now i'm gonna do you dirty and he also hates slade so he's there for his own reasons as well but uh it's yeah. just a, a and yeah, great and, and, scene yeah the support and the respect because you know dick stands there until damien damien says you know batman my mother and i we need to talk and dick's like cool i'll be i'll be going down here somewhere yeah yeah and uh you know i there's a, I think there's a lot of nuance to the way that the, the the complexity of the relationship between Dick and Damien and Talia and Bruce and it's a it's you know the way that she says your indoctrination of my son is not welcome and this idea and then Dick's like indoctrination I was raised by a man who taught me to use my full potential to help others just this this feeling of like she's using her son but she also is kind of jealous of the people that he is looking up to there's just a lot of real human emotion there and then he's frustrated because it does totally or dick is because it totally demeans his relationship with bruce and just who bruce is to all of them but then i do love that damien is just like batman my mother and i we need to talk and he he leaves that scene so that he can go speak to her uh without dick there but i i really like it's rich, not one di- one dimensional. Like I like you or don't like you for you know X reason. Yeah, yeah, and 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 built upon the previous relationships that Talia and Bruce had, where even though she never really says it, and I think in this series she always wanted Bruce to to come around and join her, um, and join her way of thinking. So I think there's a little bit of that playing into the nuances here, where she was like, "Damn it, I thought." You know, maybe having Damien with his father would bring his father back to me. But now this kid that always annoyed me, Dick Grayson, is in the way again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, that is an important thing for me to always constantly remember is just that, like, there is a spurned lover dynamic to this. Like, she does, she will always have an amount of love for Batman, like Bruce. So, yeah, there's like a degree of built in contempt there. Yeah, which, oh my God, that, and, just as an aside, that reminded me of like when Tom King had Talia and Selena confront each other in that one issue out oh, in the desert. Oh, I love that. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we actually, just to date this podcast, we're, um, we were just recording a, uh, another episode of our Perfectly Acceptable podcast that we do through the comic shop that we worked at last night. And we were talking about Dark Knight's death metal Trinity Crisis. But within that one, Scott Snyder has been doing this whole death metal event and he's been tying Barbados into it. And we had a conversation where just like, I hope that Scott Snyder's Barbados is not the same Barbados that, you know, Morrison was using here. Cause he really does. He casts a whole different light on the idea of what Barbados is. And I like it infinitely less than this, even though I'm a big fan of Scott Snyder, but it it's, it's, you know, making toys and letting other people play with them is always a really dangerous thing. Yeah. Cause isn't Snyder's more Barbados, his Barbados is more of a cosmic force. Whereas Morrison's is a more of a mystical force. Yeah, which I, could, exactly. Which you can relate those of course to each other, but yeah, there's I agree. a, there's the, a the chasm mystical. that separates them as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I thought, so shout out to Justin who wanted to be on for this episode, but uh, when Dick goes to confront Deathstroke, I had forgotten this, but J- or Justin has mentioned it a couple times, but he's been like, yeah, Deathstroke dropped a nuke on Bloodhaven. And I love when he brings it up because it's always like, you know, that way that us comic fans, we all have those specific <laughs> storylines that we love and mean a lot to us. Yeah. And then just other people don't even know about them. So he's like, they die. so clearly that's a, you know, a storyline that left a mark on Justin at some point, but like he dropped a nuke on Bloodhaven. And I'm always like, Oh yeah, I guess I, I believe you. But to hear Dick says like, here you are, you look like something a dog threw up. Oh, and did I mention the 100,060 people you killed in Bloodhaven? So I wouldn't have known exactly what this issue was talking about if Justin hadn't mentioned that in the past. Yeah, I wouldn't have known it either because, yeah, I don't think I ever read those stories. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I love that about comics. We all have those different moments that are we hold sacred to us that <laughs> are defined in our, our canon and our continuities. So the conversation between Dick and, or sorry, Damien and Talia, gosh, what... What a compelling Damien scene for all the Damien haters. You know, the way that he's confronting his mom and she says, I tried to save you. I wanted to end this before it destroyed you. And I didn't want you to feel guilt and like, save me. Save me from what? Being the best Robin. Or be, I, I like that he says, being Robin is the best thing that I've ever done. And when he won't side with her, you know, he, oh, okay. I, well, I thought I, I jumped a little bit, but it, it climaxes with her saying, you know, Damien, you're no longer welcome here. You're going to consider yourself an enemy of the house of Ghoul. Al Ghul, and he says, very well, I hope I can be a worthy one, mother. And that is like the best part of Damien, you know? It's like, I yeah. I get it, and I still want to do our family right, but even if I'm going to, ha- like, if I'm exiled, I'm going to be the best fucking villain cast out you've got. Like, I will be a force of opposition because that was what you raised me to be. And that just, like, speaks to, I think, the strength of Damien and also his morality as well, like his loyalty to even his mother who is now, you know, betraying him essentially, although she has done that time and time again so far. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, for a while there, he, he forgives his mother because that's what you want to do. You want to believe in your parent parents. Um, that, that is a beautiful, beautifully done scene. And it's so good. Morrison, such a good writer. And this is one of the, probably one of the, definitely one of the best things he's written, but because, yeah, I started out, like, I think most readers hating Damien at first, but by, you know, this issue, I was like, man, this is such a great character, and you really feel for him, and, and I don't know how people, if they were reading this storyline, could still be, da- you know, Damien haters, because he develops so well, and you, the reader, is feeling, most of us feeling like where Morrison wanted us to feel things and, and start caring about Damien. Like his line of, can't you just love me for who I am and not what you want me to be? Which is so much, I mean, like I'm fortunate. (laughs) My parents were very just like, whoever you want to be, you be that, you know, the loudest you possibly can. But there's lots of people who don't have that relationship with their parents. And and I think that that is a really core insecurity and, and thing that people have difficulties getting over and working through. So that's a really relatable moment. And her response is no that's not my nature. I'm too much of a perfectionist, which is just like, can you just love me for who I am? No, no, yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And the fact she says that so stone faced and so quickly, that's oh man, I always love you in my own way. Oh yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thanks mom. And this whole conversation, we haven't mentioned what they're having it around, which is a red ball incubation tube, incubation tank where there's a baby being developed with a, you know, 
cord, you know, the thing that the dads cut when they... Um, the, the umbilical. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, the umbilical. Yes. <laughs> I use one as a belt. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's got a, a fake umbilical cord and she's just like, you essentially says, like, I, I can make another one of you. You're disposable. This one will be 10 years younger than you. And yeah, yeah, that I'm... comes to play later on. <laughs> yeah, the fact she's, she's just like, he's you, another you. <laughs> yeah. But better because he's 10 years younger. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, I just think that's, you know, one of the high points of this issue for me is the, the, that conversation with Damien and it ends that we don't need to see him leave or anything just very well. I hope I can be a worthy one mother. So he's just going to always have this sense of loss. Yeah. And the way I'm curious if Grant Morrison included this in his script that, you know, Damien closes his eyes, his eyes are shadowed or whatever, and kind of looks down to the left when he says very well yeah andy clark the way he draws this i just love that panel how damien just briefly looks aside because he's hurt but that's the only hurt he shows for a second and then he says that great line (laughs) yeah it's actually you know now that i'm thinking about it based on your statement there are really only two people that can get damien to be vulnerable and it's dick and talia and i love that even his own dad hasn't really been able to do that and i guess they haven't interacted too much at this point in the series but that's very cool that there's these two character touchstones that are always good to be able to, you can allow Damien's boundaries to come down around. And it makes sense because they're the ones that he's closest to, but yeah. yeah, it's always, you know, because he's shows humanity so seldom, it's always so meaningful when it happens. <laughs> they were taken to the train coming into Gotham, probably a uh, metaphor, you know, statement about the Mexican train coming in, uh, oh, yeah, the Mexican. dominoes, the boneyard. Yep. And in that we have, the penitent one el penitente come into town and it's dr hurt which you know we've known the last couple issues as he's leaving the (laughs) drug cartel manner but in here he seems el penitente seems to be his persona when he's out in the world being his you know crime lord self and gallivanting and all of his different money making schemes and whatnot but as he comes back here you know the one of the people who's a part of the black glove says they're all dead the whole black glove is dead i'm the only survivor it's him isn't it and uh, El Penitente, Dr. Hurt says, oh, indeed, coming at us out of the East, but he has a knack for engaging foes he cannot defeat. And I always finish what I've started. And in that statement, Dr. Hurt puts the black glove back on his hand. So he's come back to Gotham. He's reassuming his role as the leader of the black glove. That's really yeah. cool. But Roman, yeah. who, are, who do you think he's talking about when he says, um, it's him, isn't it? Oh, indeed, coming out of the East, but he has a knack for engaging foes he cannot defeat. I don't know, Jeff. I was going to ask you the same thing because um, I'm not sure if he's is he talking about is he talking about Bruce or is he talking about Oberon Sexton? I think which, he's which, talking about Sexton. Yeah, because which way is yeah? Because England would be east of Gotham if Gotham's on the east coast. Okay, so that was my question was going to be why coming out of the east, but if Oberon was yeah British, right, right, because he's a British detective is what we learned. Yeah, yeah. Um, um yeah sorry oh and, and nothing important i was just gonna say you know gotham is is an analog for new york city so on the east coast yeah and so we know dr hurt's coming that's all very good and he's got his eyes on somebody but it seems like it's not batman then we go down to the, the caves one more time and we see the human-esque bat statue that dick had found at the end of last issue and alfred is with him and damien's with him and then they find 
in the most like true detective-esque scene. Have you watched True Detective? You recently oh, yeah. did, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw the first, I don't know, first few seasons. Yeah, so yeah, this scene of like the raggedy bat cloak tied to these deer <laughs> antlers with this like black sun above it, which, you know, it's got a lot of occultist Satanist overtones, but it's also got like essentially the black sun above it is the eclipse the eclipse that was t- transporting bruce forward through time each time it happens he goes to a different generation yeah yeah this is the 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 bat skin symbol that bruce was wearing in the first issue of return of bruce wayne and it's got and i love that that's the thing that makes him click because before it they do say like have we gotten any confirmation that bruce is lost in time and this in fact confirms it because it's an yeah. old old ass bat hood yeah <laughs> And I, I really like this, the the like, all right, well, we're going to have like Thomas Wayne, Barbados, Devil Worship, the Underground Railroad. Everything's connected and it's all coming to a head. It's one big pattern. And this is life in the Bat Cave. And I love that they're like, if, we're, if my suspicions about all of this are on track, nothing less than our best can see us through. And they all put our, their hands in the middle. And I just love <laughs> that. It even kind of harkens back to that, like the long Halloween when Batman and Gordon and Two-Face make that pact on the roof that was then echoed in the Dark Knight film by Christopher Nolan. Oh. But like Batman making a pact of like, all right, we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to be a team. And they all put their hands in. And I just love that's a thing that, you know, Batman's got to do, make pacts oh. with people. Man, that's funny. I forgot about that scene in Long Halloween and in the movie. It's great. Because um, when they did that, I thought, oh, that's such a classic dick thing to do. Because, you know, that for me, the most famous example is that in the end of the first appearance of the Fantastic Four, where they all put their hands in like that and Ben's the last one because he's all grumpy. But um... <laughs> I think that's a I think that's a Marvel comic, Roman. I don't even know about oh. those guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I met Challenges of the Unknown. <laughs> God, I'm a big fan of uh, Fantastic Four and hickman's fantastic four. Oh, yeah that's a that oh my god that's it, our next issue by issue podcast <laughs> after we finish this whole morrison one we'll do hickman's yep. fantastic okay four. we'll have to do that one and you know somewhere along the way we should just do a quick couple episodes about uh morrison's ff miniseries oh well that's only four issues long so we could do that easy yeah yeah that'd be an easy one yeah jay lee on our <laughs> so we're taken to the gotham grand hotel we've got dick talking to over in sexton they're talking about stuff ultimately Dick says, "Have you noticed what all the deaths have in common?" Have you noticed? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was uh, trying, to make, trying to find me the right one, but I do like the idea of maybe us doing a side by side. But as so, Oberon sort of starts taking off his mask and stuff. He says, "Of course, the Black Glove, the Domino Killer." And then Dick says, "No, the Oil Sheik, the Peanuts in the restroom, the Cardinal strangled by his own dog collar, the newspaper tycoon with a heart attack, and the Young Mistress, the Russian and the Alligator." They're all jokes, and we turn to the next page, and Oberon has taken off his mask, and it is the Joker in one of the more creepy images of the Joker ever, I think. <laughs> yeah, just the way he's smiling and the way he's look, kind of gl- looking at him sideways like that over his gla- over so glasses. So creepy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like a skeleton. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I like that reveal. <laughs> so let's talk about it. You, you, were, you don't get it, you said. I still don't know what dr cordy walker means about it was obvious because i never thought it was obvious and even when dick was saying these i was like okay are these like real joke setups or punchlines, or are these just things that sound like jokes that morrison put together there so because and i'm of course i'm no dick grayson i never would have realized that those are routines that those are jokes right and i do think it's a stretch but yeah there is like 
So I did some Googling on these keywords of just like joke Russian alligator. Yeah. And, and there are several jokes about that. But then I found one cool um, article or website that just had a list of the jokes that it thinks each of those were res- like relating to. The newspaper yeah. tycoon with the heart attack and the young mistress, that could just be like an ironic thing. Like an old yeah. newspaper tycoon has a heart attack when he's like, you know, cheating on somebody or, or just having sex with a younger person. The irony of that cardinal strangled by a collar not his own you know like a religious like priest one uh, yeah oh yeah okay yeah apparently <laughs> oil chic and peanuts in a restroom is a is a joke um you know it's it's a little far-reaching <laughs> but uh yeah you know there is uh, yeah the alligator russian one is something about how like russians and the americans are trying to settle a debate over who's going to win in the war with you know nuclear weapons continue to be built they were just going to blow everything up so they said each of us will have a dog fight we're going to get a dog and in five years we'll meet and whoever wins the dog fight gets to rule and so the russians do this crazy thing and build this super powerful dog and then the americans show up and it's like a long doction and like a wiener dog and they're, they're just like oh man the americans are so <laughs> dumb and uh and then they start to fight and the doction eats the other dog and they're like how did you do that how did you teach a dog to do that and they're like no that was the easy part the hard part was getting an alligator to pretend to be a dog <laughs> um so like just dumb jokes awesome. that probably morrison has heard but i do think that they were eloquently put together right we've seen these clues oh, for yeah. these murders of the black glove and it all goes back to that scene and justin had mentioned it when it happened but at the end of r.i.p like joker felt like slighted you know, he was being used as a dog by Dr. Hurt and the black glove, and he was not considered yeah. an equal. And he said he was going to have his revenge, and he sure as shit has been having his revenge. I think that's the thing that most clearly indicates oh, the Joker, okay. but it was so long ago, it would have been like a year and a half ago in terms of comic publication time that I don't know how that could have happened. Like, remembered wow. it at least. That is that is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, and I don't know anything about Morrison's process, I mean, does, does like a lot of writers, does he have all this stuff like kind of planned out in, in rough outlines on pieces of paper around his place or is it all in his head? <laughs> he, he does a lot of journaling. He just have journals oh. and journals filled and he does a lot of drawing because he had originally started as like a comic artist rather than writer when he was young. So he does a lot of his own character design sketches and visual motifs and, and you know, writing in the journals and a lot of uh, like the absolute edition of Final Crisis and a lot of other ancillary material things have just <laughs> journal pages of his. But I would love the script yeah. pages. That's what I want. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> the yeah, we'll talk more about the Joker reveal next time when it gets a little bit more when we got Justin on here because I know he's excited to talk about that. And it's very exciting. I was so pumped to learn that Oberon was the Joker. I mean, <laughs> I, I guess I was also, I think my hope was that it was going to be a time-displaced Bruce Wayne. Ah, uh, yeah. That, like, I was hoping that Bruce had, like, gone through time and gotten back to the present and was, you know, in disguise trying to help. I guess that would have been a little bit too easy and his body would have looked different, but... Yeah, I remember... I, and I remember when, first time I read all this... I think I was hoping a part of me was kind of hoping for it, it was Two-Face just because oh. Two-Face and Dick have that history where, you know, Joker is Bruce's ultimate enemy. I always feel like Two-Face is Dick Grayson's ultimate enemy, at least at, when he was Robin. Um, because I forget there was some old story where Two-Face had captured him and tortured him a bunch and he had so 
a lot of trauma from two things. Okay. Okay. So on Friday, we're going to be talking about return of Bruce Wayne. Number three, the pirate issue. And then the way that the omnibus has it set up, the next issues are 701 and 702, which are the fill-in post-RIP pre-final crisis (laughs) issues. I cannot wait to read those. So this Friday, Return of Bruce Wayne number two, and then the following week, we'll probably just do two episodes that week and make it just those two issues um, and really get into them. And then the following week, we'll start Batman and Robin 13 and then just get back on track with it. But I love... I, I, I'm confused why the omnibus put those two issues right there because um, I feel like they could have been a couple issues ago, but maybe it would have given us too much information. Yeah, that's the only thing I could decide is maybe they would give us too much because, and it confused me because I re- in Cody Walker's book I read his write-ups of those two issues, and I was flipping through at that point I had the uh, soft cover collection and and I was flipping through them and asking you guys where the hell are those two issues <laughs> I can't find them in anything I have. <laughs> Um, Jan- or Roman, I believe that you mean Dr. Cody Walker. Doctor. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I don't want to <laughs> just disrespect the doctor. Um, I just, yeah, I'm, and I'm just flipping through Return of Bruce Wayne number three here, and I'm just so fucking pumped about it. How awesome. Um, <laughs> before we get out of here, I do want to read an email or two. We got uh, a new email, and I'm super excited to read it. I'm actually going to save the new email from Shane Caldwell we got just a couple days ago until Justin is back because it does contain a little spoiler for the end of Return of Bruce Wayne. But I just want to say, Shane, thanks so much for reading that and sending it in. Um, Also, huge thank yous to like Judd Morris, Andrew Carlson, and Chris Murphy for continuing to write emails in about their journey through it. Andrew Carlson just sent a question in for us. And he says, favorite character that Grant Morrison has ever created, if it's Flex Mentallo, pick someone else from Andrew. Use this for your regular cast if you want to. It's up to you. Um, that's a good one, Andrew, because Flex Mentallo is way up there for me. And, you know, we talked about it. That's probably my favorite Morrison book. And Justin and I both love it. So, yeah, good question. Favorite um, Morrison creation? I'm quickly – I hope you have one already because I'm quickly Googling to see if I have the a character – one. To see if the character I'm thinking of is a Morrison creation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Danny the Street in his Doom Patrol run. I don't know. Oh. I can't remember if that was a... Uh, I think his first appearance is the same issue that's the first appearance of Flex Mentallo as well. So that is another Morrison creation that if it's a Morrison creation and not an older Doom Patrol character, I love the idea of that character. Just this like living personified street. But the cop-out yeah. one would be Damian Wayne. Oh, duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we reading uh, right here? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I just love him. I love what he's grown into. I love that he's been allowed to continue being. And I, I just think that what he did creating a character that was so unlikable and then humanizing him over the span of several years is, is really phenomenal. So I love that. Um, I'm sort of dipping into the headspace here, thinking about other Morrison characters that I like a lot. And I'd have oh. to just sort of look through my hardcovers to see. Yeah. Boy, it's funny that, um, google lists all these morrison created characters and of course at first i type i just type morrison and i got tony morrison yep. um, yeah <laughs> but it lists batman of zuran r as a morrison creation which yeah i guess yeah maybe I the mean, psychological backup character that he created is morrison but yeah the costume and everything predates it for sure yeah but there's all sorts of ones i forgot were his creations like quentin choir oh god and, yeah quentin for marvel yeah way appara- up there oh and apparently yeah, Phantom X, and apparently Batwoman, I guess, because of New 52, or from 52. Oh, yeah, he's going to be co-created, co-credited as a writer for it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Quentin Quire, way up there. I think Phantom X, even higher up there, although I think what Rick Remender did with him in Uncanny X-Force was maybe the best usage of him. Yeah, yeah. He created Simon Hurt. Um, man, but I think my favorite Morrison-created character is uh, Crazy Jane from Doom Patrol. Oh, nice. I always liked her one. in the comics, yeah. And then I'm, I'm Andrew Carlson, friend of the show. Uh, he got me into the, the, the Doom Patrol TV show, which I'm watching now, and and she's my favorite on that show, too. Um, I'm looking through these emails, and we've got a handful from the last four days. Um, one from, at least one from Chris, two from Andrew, one from Judd, and one from Shane. So actually, I think on the week where we do Batman 701 and 702, instead of just doing two episodes that week, maybe we'll have an all-email uh, show. Hmm, and that would be okay. super fun. So if you guys hear this, as this episode comes out Wednesday, um, you have four or so days to get questions into us for us to answer them the following week. So that is very exciting. Excited for that. So, uh, Andrew, thank you for your question and your email. Thank you for everyone. Seriously, um, Mr. Caldwell, that super excited to have your email on here. And every time we get a new person that I haven't met, I get so excited that there's somebody else out there listening to this and that loves the Morrison run. And um, I just love... I love how much love for this run there is in the world. So uh, next time we'll be doing Return of Bruce Wayne number three. Roman, any lovely messages to send people out on? No, not particularly. Just, you know, as always, every, every, every episode, you know, Grant Morrison is, is a golden god. He's a golden god. But so are you, Roman, like a scene uh, no, from no. Almost Famous where you're jumping off of a roof because you're on acid. Um, that's a good movie almost famous side note okay everybody well uh thanks for listening to episode 41 of batman in quarantine we're living it loving it bare life can't wait to see you all again on behalf of roman and jeff i'm jeff on behalf of roman let me take we'll see y'all next time i gotta get better at that see you next time for episode 42